Hello and welcome to Yupcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and my master abandoned me and that's exactly what you did to her, you and your precious Jedi Order. And my name is Matt. Come on, baby, do the magic hand thing. And my name is Brown Leader, and to let go of his pupil, a greater challenge it will be. Excellent. Excellent quote. All right, so... Go ahead, Jamie. I was going to say, sorry, I accidentally did a... (laughs) The Ewok sploosh. Like, when you... you, (laughs) Because I had to focus on the wrong screen, so... Excellent. All right, so... uh, Obviously, this is a little bit different already, because we have a guest with us today. Um, so before we get into anything else, we should probably introduce our guest, Brown Leader. Um, Brown Leader, do you want to say hi to Yubcast and tell yeah. him where you can be found normally? And we can redo it at the end, too. Absolutely. Hello there. This is Brown Leader, and uh, I'm part of Hyperspace Heroes Podcast. And uh, you can find us on... All of the regular podcatchers uh, on all the social me- major social media sites, um, and uh, we just started live streaming about a month and a half ago, so we're on YouTube as well now. Yeah, and the, I usually when we talk about your show on here, I usually say it's sort of a show about fandom. Um, so it's like current events, collecting. You have a lot of other content creators on, or collectors, yeah. or things like that. How would but how would you describe the content of the show? Well, first, we're not canceled, so uh, we're safe there. Um, <laughs> uh, I did hear that comment. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, when you described us as fandom, I kind of started thinking about it, because we're just three old guys talking Star Wars, and uh, I'm sure people get tired of that eventually. But we found kind of found our niche, like you said. Uh, we love talking to other people. We love talking to other fans, other pods. Uh, we've had a couple celebrities, or uh, at least one celebrity. Um, we've got another one on the books coming up soon. But um, uh, yeah, we just love talking to people, and we love talking about Star Wars. Uh, we annoy Scruffy with uh, Trek talk whenever we can. Like our latest live stream was uh, a huge Trek talk episode, but normally it's all Star Wars. And uh, uh, although we did a Flash Gordon episode, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, still waiting to hear back from Sam uh, Nelson, trying to get him on the show, but um, because I think that would be a riot. And uh, but yeah, I think fandom, you know, just in all aspects of it. And we always talk collecting. Um, we have another segment where we introduce uh, movies from the '80s. Uh, talk about those. We do look quick little reviews on those as well from time to time. We call it DB's Blockbusters because DB used to manage a blockbuster back in the day. So uh, we pick, uh, you know, your classics, your Back to the Futures, your um, Battle Beyond the Stars, all sorts of stuff, and and uh, do anywhere from five to fifteen minute reviews on those. And yeah, we just love talking, geeking out about nerd culture and Star Wars. We'd like to recommend you guys review the movie Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I heard those sound bites on the last, or I heard you guys talking about that on the last episode. For some and, reason, uh, Jamie brings it up too much. <laughs> it's it's just eighties trash it's just i can't can't not sorry it's just sly stone at his we we did we did face off a while back and i had thought i liked that movie back then but when i rewatched it i could not stand it it's a rough one it is oh my gosh the whole touching of the face thing oh my it was just yeah definitely had a different perspective on it um 
But uh, I'm also an avid listener of you guys. Uh, I listen to every episode. I uh, love when you roll a one, honestly, because uh, I love the Ewok episodes. And because uh, I can't wait for the uh, special edition Blu-ray uh, DVD set with all those lost episodes that you guys will never release. So. <laughs> yeah. That's for our uh, Patreon um. Yeah, I uh, I need to go through and organize the audio because I want to know how many of those original audio files we actually have. Because I, I have a whole folder just with unlabeled audio, which is date stamped. But we have yeah. a, we have a, our Google Drive basically full. It's always complaining at me that it's full, so it's probably <laughs> yeah. all on the Google Drive. Probably. Yeah, there's probably there's probably a lot of like hot Rogue One and uh, Last Jedi talk in those episodes. Yeah, because we yeah we've been we'll get to what we're doing. Well, we're going we're going off a tangent like we normally do. But today we have a guest on because we're going we're not reviewing Clone Wars exactly. We're going to go over the first season of Clone Wars, just talk about the arcs, and we're going to talk about some deleted scenes that were taken out of the Clone Wars movie, the best of all the Star Wars movies, the Clone Wars movie. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But um. Yeah, before, to get back to the discussion we were having, just so people are grounded on what, what today's episode is, uh, we started the show like seven years ago, and we did a bunch of episodes, and then life just got in the way, and we, I stopped editing them, and then it just kept getting further and further out, and then we sort of used Bad Batch as, ex, as an excuse to relaunch the show, but yeah, Jamie's mentioned it a couple times, but we have, I want to say, like 17 episodes that we never released, something like that. Yeah, we got through the first season of Ewoks into the second season where they they changed formats um, completely. They didn't. It's like two like instead of being like a half hour, it's like two 15 minute shorts. Um, there's a character uh, Latara that hasn't been introduced yet. Who they completely change her from like uh, just a normal female character to just like weird boy crazy talks like a flapper. Um, so. They made her eyes bigger, and they made her, like, yeah, boy crazy. Oh, oh, yeah. She looks like a squirrel more than an Ewok for some reason. It was very, very strange design choices, and droids didn't get a second season, but Ewoks did. And mm-hmm. anyway, we'll we'll eventually do them all somehow, because that's how probability works. But uh, before we get too far down a rabbit hole or talk start talking about 80s movies or something um uh brown leader did you do any star wars this week uh yeah quite a bit actually um so i'm uh probably about two-thirds of the way through dark disciple uh with uh with that bad batch trailer that definitely spurred the interest in it and uh been reading through that that's your first that's your first read through right yes Yes. Um, I'm about halfway through uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, from a certain point of view. Uh, really digging that. Um, got that at Christmas time, and I've just been kind of doing a, a story at a time. Um, just got back from Galaxy's Edge a couple weeks ago, so first time there. That was a load of fun, and it was a, it was not part of the planned vacation. Uh, the wife surprised me with it, and we went for a day, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So the guys and I are planning a, a trip maybe next year to go down uh, do it as a whole group. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just, uh, I'm on, uh, one of the games I play on, I don't know, I haven't done games in a long time cause I've just been too busy raising a family, 
but and I haven't gotten back into them. In fact, I don't even think I have a gaming system in the house anymore. But uh, I do do uh, Galaxy of Heroes. So uh, if anybody wants to join, I'm on there as Brown Leader. So you're welcome to to reach out. But uh, yeah, right on. Yeah, I've been wanting to go to Galaxy's uh, Edge. Sorry, I, there's another like, book series that I like listen to when I run called the Galaxy's Edge, so I get them screwed up. But I've been wanting to go there ever since like uh, a friend of mine sent pictures. Like he was like one of the first. I don't say he's one of the first people, but he was one of the first people that I knew that went there. And he he just talked about how incredible it was. He's he's kind of in, in like the movie industry a little bit, and he's like he said the realism was just insane. And so ever since, yeah, ever since then, I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we hadn't even planned to go and it was the last day of the vacation or coming up to the last day of the vacation. And, um, the wife was just, uh, yeah, she was like, you know, uh, get a lot of stuff done around the house. I appreciate it. So let's, let's go to, let's go to your theme park for a day. And, uh, we didn't have anything else planned. So I was like, sweet, I'm not going to say no to that. And yeah, the realism, the characters walking around, I was talking to a rebel spy that was hiding from the first order, uh, when she came up next to me and, uh, that was probably the funniest bit. Cause then she wanders off and my wife was in the bathroom at the time. And I turn and there, she is just staring at me with that wife look <laughs> like, who are you talking to and why? <laughs> no, she's a spy. I swear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was a ton of fun. Uh, you've seen the clips of Kylo Ren walking around, and that was cool. And a good little show as, as he kind of walks through the crowd. Uh, the rides were excellent. Um, I got to say, though, I, as much as I was looking forward to Smuggler's Run, Rise of the Resistance was just, it was better than I could have. I didn't even know what the ride was going to be, and it was better than expectations. I mean, it was just, that was the best ride there for sure. And, um, very interactive and just, yeah, it was a ton of fun when you're face to face with the cockpit of an ad at and it's firing at you. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, we, uh, we went, they were still building it and we went in like 2018. And so there was just little parts you can see, like, like all the, like the lightsabers, like in their cases. And then like, I got my photo taken with some huge Disney character or Disney actor who was Chewbacca and I had like the biggest shitting grin on my face it's like I wouldn't have thought that I was like oh Chewbacca you know it's cool and then I was just like all of a sudden I just went from like oh I had Mm -hmm. 40 something to like 10 and I'm just like partially crying yeah I'm just like I gotta hold it together (laughs) oh awesome yeah yeah, we did the same thing, and we really lucked out because when we first walked into the Galaxy's Edge portion of it, there was a bunch of people standing off to the side of like the marketplace area, and people were just standing there and waiting. And we asked, and um, Mando came out, and uh, so I got and the animatronic uh, Grogu was was phenomenal. He was very cool to see in the pouch, interactive, uh, move, talk, that kind of thing, and uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, I live I live on the East Coast, so eventually I'm going to get there. But I was I w- I went to last time we went to Disney. Um, it was before Jamie went to Disney, and so it wasn't even partially built. It was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna start building a Star Wars section soon, and Hollywood Studios still had Star Tours mm-hmm. and like a little Star Wars shop, and so we went over there at the time. Um, but that was. I was like, I was like, you know, we came here like two years later. We could be in the Millennium Falcon, but <laughs> yeah. But no, it was a, it was very much like my my wife planned this family trip. It was 
it was the right time to do it, right? We, oh, yeah. It was the it was a great great trip, but just means we'll have to go back one day. We we really lucked out because we didn't do the lightning passes or the lightning link, whatever it's called. And uh, Rise of the Resistance was actually down when we got there, and uh, we were. I, and I told her, I said, you know, if we get on rides, great. But I'm also not gonna. We're only here one day. I'm not gonna spend an hour and a half waiting for a ride. Let's walk around the park and just have a good time. I'm just happy to be here, and. But she was the one, no, 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 let's go on the rides. And we went over to the Falcon and um, it said 60 minutes. And I think we got through in 40. So it was not busy when we walked up, which was great. And then uh, we were wandering around and we were going to actually go back out to the Indiana Jones stunt show. But as we were walking by Rise of the Resistance, it was open and showing an 80 minute wait. But uh, and again, I was going to skip, but she drugged me in there and we got through in 35 minutes. And uh, it must have just literally reopened. It was great. Yeah, also Disney does like such a good job of like like the mise en scene of everything. Mm-hmm. It's you're not just waiting in line, you're part of you're in it. You know? Yeah. Like they have the like, yeah. walk through little scenes and there's mm-hmm. like animatronics. It's always been that way. So it's I, not, I will it's not I will warn time. you. Yeah, I'll warn you if you guys go down there though. Uh the app is very addictive. The app is interactive with the theme park and you can solve puzzles to activate things, you know, activating the A-Wing and steam's coming out. You turn on droids. You, it, yeah, and it's, it's. I, I got, and like on each of the two major rides, there's a, a whole quest, mini quest thing to do. And I found myself just too much into the phone instead of head up looking around. And I had to just stop because, and that's why I think if I, if the guys and I can go down, we'll, go, we'll do two days because the app is so interactive that it's just, you need a day like just for that. And then a day for like the rides and, and doing everything else. Were the duct rides there? The little mm-hmm. duck one, the, the new duct rides that they're prototyping. They're like, they look, look like little ducks and they're wandering around. No, I, well, I did. I didn't see them. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just like, I'm. I'm just like, just hearing that now. I'm just like, I, I don't care about anything else. I want to, want to go. Like... All right, this this like... is derailed into us planning this trip. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna tell my son, are you sure you want to go go to Boy Scout camp this another <laughs> summer? You know, we could go to Disneyland. Yeah. So, you have to make it and... to Florida though. And, and we went in January, which was nice because for for getting up there in age, it's, it was nice to walk around in cooler weather. It was 60s, so it wasn't we weren't sweating our butts off, waiting in lines and all that kind of stuff, which was really nice. All right, that's a lot of talk about Disney, and we they don't pay us, um, so fucking pay us. <laughs> um, I'll be tagging Disney in this one. Just pay me. Just don't charge me for my D plus subscription this month. Oh wait, yeah. oh wait, PayPal just texted me. They just tar- they just charged me. <laughs> so, um, I think we can probably move on to what the show is going to be today. Um, unless Jamie, you have anything pressing that you want to talk about Star Wars wise? No, I didn't do a whole lot. I I inherited um, all my daughter's Grogu stuff because she's going through the change now. She wants older girl stuff. And so it's kind of like, oh, okay. But my son is still holding on to his uh, his action figures. They're in like this big tub. Like I've offered to buy them from him, and he he won't. Um, he's holding on to them like gold. So there you go. Well, he'll go to college uh, eventually. One day. Yeah. Yeah, we don't throw out Star Wars toys in my house. Mm-hmm. See. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the background. 
All right. I I'm just well, we can when we get back into Bad Batch, um, starting next week, we can talk about what we did in Star Wars. I'm just still doing my Legends um, book re- book review. Uh, I'm in. I'm still not that one I talked about last time. I can't remember. Like Fatal Alliance, I think is the fifth one. Yeah, Fatal Alliance. I only have an hour left. I'll definitely finish it tomorrow. Alright, so today is February 19th, 2024, and I only mention that because um, Bad Batch Season 3, the final Bad Batch Season airs in a couple of days from the time of this recording. Um, This is going to be posted the week after the first three episodes drop, but before the fourth episode drops. Um, So that's just putting it in in context of time for everybody. Um, But we did finish, for all intents and purposes, Season 1 of Clone Wars. We've recorded 26 episodes of Clone Wars reviews at this point, covering um, Cat and Mouse the Clone Cadet arc, um, a bunch of other arcs, including the movie, um, all the way up to the second-to-last episode of Season 1, because the last episode of Season 1 is part of an arc in Season 2, so we're not going to cover it until we get to that arc. So we've we've now covered or reviewed every single episode in Season 1 and the movie except for that last episode, so we're just going to sit down real quick with our friend Brown Leader and talk about the different arcs, what, what we liked, didn't like about it, what we felt about season one overall, because this was their introductory season, their first attempt at a CGI-based cartoon. They were burning money this first season, making animation mistakes, audio design mistakes, um, and all sorts of things. But I think we can have a pretty positive discussion of, about the season overall. And then we also have some new Clone Wars, which is four deleted scenes from the Clone Wars movie that w- that were never aired. We can talk about those briefly and whether or not we thought their exclusion mattered. <laughs> um, or it would have made the movie better if they were included. So, um, Jamie, do you want to... Do you want to start us off with, let me pull up the notes real quick, with the cat and mouse and hidden enemy arc? This was the clone betrayer arc. Um, do you remember the episode? This is, sorry, cat and mouse is the general trench episode with the, the, um, Carrion Spike in it. That, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I... And then hidden enemy is sort of the follow-up on Christophsis. Right where they're on the on the planet and leading into the movie arc on Christophsis, but we'll talk about these first two. I I love the whole um, kind of like this, um, the whole submarine kind of aspect of it. They took it like um, something out of like what was that U five seventy one and like other like like um, dust boot dust boot like um, oh, I wouldn't say but I'll just any other submarine type movie where it's just like got everybody stay super quiet and uh it's just, it's just they did uh i thought they did pretty good as far as like first out of the gate they didn't make it like star warsy like just super flashy and stuff and it's just very um 
it was it was a, it was a cool story and just kind of had like that the, the the tension that I I liked. It's not something you would expect coming from Star Wars because we all grew up with Star Wars being just out there, lightsaber fights, blaster fights, um, the Force, everything being wild and crazy, and this was just very just kind of like calm. And I thought that was great. Yeah, and it introduced introduced Admiral Trench, the tarantula-looking dude, to the whole thing. And then the design of the ship comes back. We always mention it as the Carrion Spike later in the Tarkin novel and in the Poe Dameron comics in the future. And so I, I like that, those aspects as well. Um, Aaron, do you have any thoughts on this first arc with the cat and mouse and the... And the, yeah, uh, uh, enemy. yeah. so this is the first time I've watched it in sequential order. Um, when I first I watched it in its regular uh, presented format or, or order, uh, when I watched it in uh, for Cat and Mouse, I thought it was a, a decent episode. Uh, it was definitely a, uh, it could be a standalone. It's not dependent on uh, any of the arcs or uh, um, really it doesn't impact the longer overall arc of Clone Wars all that much, really, um, in terms of other than it shows Anakin um, pretty much doing what he wants in his battle strategies and winging it all the time. But um, Hidden Enemy, I can see why now they pushed it to later in the season um, instead of doing it in chronological order, because when you look at it in the format that Disney released it in, you get to meet the clones, you get to start to like them somewhat, you uh, understand that it's kind of uh, the early stages of a um, Band of Brothers type story, and I think to have Hidden Enemy way up at the beginning of the season would undermine that, because it would always throw a shadow of doubt in uh, whether, you wouldn't buy into, I don't think you'd buy into the clones as as deeply um, as I did. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because there's because there's not there's multiple betrayals in this season not to get ahead of things so um yeah yeah that's uh, that's actually good that that they kind of like let's get them established first before we like dig into like well maybe some of them aren't all that happy being you know uh conscripted uh soldiers in a war Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree i agree totally i think so these just so everybody's aware these are these first two episodes are wildly out of order. Um, Cat and Mouse is from Season 2, Episode 16, and Hidden Enemy is Season 1, Episode 16. But that's release order. Um, but continuity, in-universe continuity order, they're the earliest two to appear. Um, but yeah, the the idea that introducing clone traitors early on would undermine the story. Um, and so it makes sense that they would keep them pretty homogenous, at least for most of season one, and then have like we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but have like the Senate guard be the one that betrays them, right, or things like that. But but yeah, I I these two are great episodes in my opinion. I'm going to keep it moving along unless someone else has something they want to talk about. So the hidden enemy episode is on Christopsis. Cat and Mouse is about breaking the. Um, blockade on Christopsis and then leads into the Clone Wars movie, which the first 30 minutes of the Clone Wars movie is on Christopsis, where they're fighting back against the column of droids, and then it leads into um, everybody's favorite plot in all of Star Wars, a baby hut rescue, kidnap rescue plot. Um, this movie, I'm just going to get out in front of it. 
Um, I'm an unapologetic defender of this movie in all formats of online discourse. This movie is not as bad as people say it is. This movie is actually quite a good piece of Star Wars. It introduces Ahsoka as a character. This is her first appearance in a TV in any Star Wars in canonical order. Um, it introduces the idea of a baby hut, and everybody knows how much I love the huts. <laughs> right? Put a hut on yeah, screen, and I'm already paying attention. Hey, you have yours, I have mine. Don't. Do, do you have? Have you made a model of Stinky? I have the Stinky action figure. Oh, oh I okay. should I should 3D print a full one. That's a good idea. I can add it to the I can add it add it to the pile of life size stuff in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a Babu Frick over there now. Moves around. You can't really see him, but he's standing on Anakin's uh, pile of rocks. Okay. Oh yeah, I can I, see him. And go grab him later because he talks. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I I think I think the movie gets a really bad rap. Like we get a lot of good Ventress stuff in the movie. We get Dooku being the most perfect villainous hypocrite you can imagine all the time. The the stuff with the hut is weird. There's a Truman Capote hut, right? Um, that's problematic, I guess. Um, and then you, and but you get a lot of good Yoda or a lot of good um, Jabba stuff in there too. And it's a movie for kids. And they and there's a scene where they bring in a stretcher with a bunch of severed heads on it because Star Wars. I, I oftentimes, I don't know if you guys have ever had this encounter where you have like a friend who doesn't quite know Star Wars very well but remembers the movie sort of and they have kids now and they're like, is it okay to show my seven-year-old Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah, I show my kids Star Wars all the time. They come back to you and they're like, there's like beheadings and like behandings and like like his family gets like burned, burned to death in their home. Like that's a violent movie. And I'm like, oh, I guess so. Oops. Oops. <laughs> But there, there's there's some of that body horror and stuff in this in this movie too. I don't know. Would you guys like Jamie? It, it, it please, has, please help me. <laughs> it the movie has one of my favorite battles in all of Clone Wars. The when they're um, when they're trying to get to up up to the monastery and just the the scene where the a, the ATTE just like goes like like. We're actually on video, so that I'm making a thing where it's like it just has the hind legs, and it looks like it's about to topple over, but then it like it makes its way back and it reattaches to the wall. I I think that was just so cool. Yeah, that's that's on Teth. That's that that that's one of the coolest coolest sequences ever. Because even like Anakin and Ahsoka are fighting on top of the windshields of them, trying to deflect the blasts and everything. Uh, Brown leader, what do you think? of uh the movie please defend it for me so <laughs> so um, <laughs> or trash it <laughs> just be free i so i did not watch clone wars back when it first aired and back in that time of uh life i was just busy with family stuff and 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 it was uh and i'd heard all the bad press at the time about the movie so i was like eh, do i really want to watch a cartoon right now and i was busy raising kids and everything and Although they would have been around the right age to start, but I just didn't have the time. We didn't, I didn't have time for a lot of TV back then. And 
uh, and that was before you could stream everything for you youngins. Um, you had to catch it when it aired, um, unless you were could have a DVR back then, which we didn't have. But um, so I, I didn't really pay attention to it, and it wasn't until we were at Ce- Scruffy and I were at Celebration Chicago, and they were showing the trailer for season seven, and I was like, oh man, that looks that looks pretty sick, and I got to get caught up. So from 2019 on, I, I finally watched Clone Wars. And the movie, the first time around, again, I, I probably was letting uh, just everybody else's opinion affect my watching it, viewing of it. But rewatching it this time, um, I appreciated it more. Uh, and did Disney touch up the animation over the last couple of years? Because things kind of looked better than I remembered. And I don't know if maybe it's just better glasses or what. But um, uh, I, I did have a better appreciation for it. The whole stinky thing didn't it didn't bo- bother me as much. Um, I thought it was was okay, and and um, I know we'll touch on the deleted scenes, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I I really liked uh, Dooku in it. Um, and and it flowed the the pacing of it was good it didn't it didn't really stall out anywhere it was it was pretty in Christophsis that was probably my favorite part um but i yeah i just thought it was I, it flowed pretty well and i i appreciated it a lot more this time around <laughs> yeah yeah i um i was i was like you i like um well <clears throat> If the internet had been where it is now when it came out, I might be one of those people who's constantly, um, like, shitting on like new Star Wars because I was just very much kind of like a, uh, I guess an elitist. Um, but and I finally I gave it a chance and I like would stumble across Clone Wars like we'd be watching TV like late at night, um, and like a rerun or something would be on and I'm like, whoa this is kind of cool and I'd want to watch it and my wife's like no we're, we're continuing watching Breaking Bad or whatever it was that we were watching um, so I was like well okay and then eventually I was able to catch up and then now looking back at the movie knowing like the histories of all the characters and stuff like that it's like I, I I enjoy it a, uh, a lot more than I do because I know like Ahsoka turns out to be an awesome character um, all the things about like okay yeah that's why they gave Anakin a, a uh, <clears throat> a Padawan. Originally, I was like, "Why the hell would they do that? That's stupid." Um, but like, com- coming back with a little bit more, um, Persp- ma- oh, not mat- perspective and maturity, I guess, and just be like, "Yeah, it's it's great. I I, I really uh, I really enjoy it." We'll unpack whether or not you've matured from since then later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, that thing. <laughs> there is. I used to. Back when we recorded those episodes for the movie, then we'll move on. Um, I I went digging into the press back then and found multiple articles about how Ahsoka's ruining Star Wars um, and how there her end is inevitably to be murdered by Anakin. Mm-hmm. That was going to be part of his fall, and that was that was standard. That was mainstream Star Wars reporting that. The only the only possible way this would end is mm-hmm. Anakin killing Ahsoka. So, well done, everybody. All right, let's move yeah. on to the let's move on to the next one just to keep keep it going. Um, so the next two episodes are from, actually from season three, but it's Clone Cadets and Supply Lines. Um, Brown Leader, do you want to lead off on Clone Cadets? It's the training episode with like yeah. the football field where we meet Domino Squadron. Domino Squadron, yeah. No, I I uh, I like that episode because my favorite thing about Clone Wars overall 
is the Clone Troopers. I, I, like I said, that Band of Brothers. Rex is uh, Rex is one of my top five characters. I love Rex. I think he's just. Uh, and then you put the combo of Rex and Ahsoka together and watch how they how they progress from the start to the to the finish of the whole series. Um, it's just phenomenal. And so I enjoyed Rookie uh, or uh, Clone Cadets um, and Rookies. Um, uh, Clone Cadets too, because we got our first introduction to uh, Clone Ninety Nine who ends up playing a, a major pivotal role later on in the series, but he plays a pivotal role in this one. If it wasn't for his pep talk, they, they probably wouldn't have, Heavy wouldn't have really gotten them together and they would have succeeded. So I really enjoyed the episode. Plus uh, the training uh, area reminded me of uh, American Gladiators. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. This is one of my absolute favorite episodes. This is one of the episodes that um, when my when my older son was very young, we had an old iPhone, and I just downloaded some cartoons onto it, like Peppa Pig and and a couple things, and I downloaded this episode onto it, and then the episode Ambush onto it with the Toydarian King, where Yoda fights with a bunch of clone troopers. We'll get there, like, next. But, uh, um, and so this is one of the episodes I've memorized, because I... He watched it a thousand times in car rides and like road trips and things. Uh, it's just absolutely one of my favorite ones. I love the American Gladiator aspect of it. I love the King of the Hill, like, mm-hmm. like, like obstacle course. I love Brick, the uh, the um, Sistine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That uh, brain brain shaped alien. Um, I love I love the whole thing, um, and then Shock T in in Clone Wars is always great. Um, Jamie, do you have a, an opinion about um, cadet, or Clone Cadets? Um, um, are we just talking about Clone Cadets or are we talking about Rookies as well? I'm sorry, Rookies. Or, yeah, no, Clone oh, Cadets and Rookies, sorry. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I everything you guys mentioned, I, I love the fact that like they show that like they are, they're hiring mercs to, to train the clones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as usual, I'm like, um, da- what? How do they know what a domino is? But it's like, okay, uh, we'll we'll just give that a pass. They have they have old uh, Cubans playing drinking coffee and playing dominoes <laughs> outside of uh, coffee shops in the Star Wars universe. This is well established. Just as I okay, pull yeah. Wikipedia and make it well established. <laughs> It's like every every alien has to have a um, some sort of like analog to a um, to a um, to a country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that you get uh, to meet the um, you see that like the kind of the dynamics, the training they go through. Uh, Ninety nine. Uh, he's great. He reminds me of that. Um, there's an old story where like the. Uh, and during like I mean I don't know this is if this is true or not but like during the space race um, like some like somebody talks to a janitor and like what's your job here and he's like I'm putting a man on the moon is that like even the guy who's not doing anything like he's not going into battle he's like he's still got a job he's he's the guy he's he's kind of like gives them their like their pep talk and then the rookies was great because they immediately ice a few of them. Like, like you just meet them, you're like, oh, these guys are all right, and then all of a sudden they're dead. Um, 
And so there's like, it's just like that that la- that last episode of season one of Game of Thrones, is, where it's just like everything's off the table. Like none of these, they might survive um, through the end, or they might just die as soon as they're introduced. Um, which is usually like if they're gonna die, like in a cartoon or TV show, they won't give them a name. They'll just be like, like hey you, and then then you'll see them die. Usually they have like just the plain colored armor. They won't they won't have any personalities. They just they die during some battle or an attack or something. So I, I like the fact that they gave us a little bit of like like hey there's these guys there's these they're the rookies and they they've got their own kind of like. Um, uh, I don't know, personalities, and then just they they like at least cut up and heavy or killed. Yeah, and yeah, they give you they give you like this bad news bear story about them, right? And then I know we're talking reviewing it out of order, even from our recording order, but I put rookies with this one because it is the follow up, and they're on the Rishi moon, and yeah, half the squad gets killed. Right. Yeah, and by naming them, by by getting to know them, you're. You're build as a viewer. You're building those connections with the character, and when they're named characters, and then to see them, two of them, it impacts or it drives home the impact of war, and just how no one is really safe. Um, one thing I noticed uh, in was rookies the first appearance of Cody, Commander Cody. In Cody Clone was in Wars. Hidden Enemy. Was he okay? Wait, I think you. No, I think in. I think rookies in release order was the first was the first appearance of cuz something I noticed and I don't know if it was accidental but the lighting on his armor when you first see him makes the orange look gray and what does Cody go back to in Bad Batch which is gray and I don't know if that's intentional or just accidental but I I I saw that and I thought that was kind of a cool beginning and end thing well, you might have found a Easter egg there, or it might be a Hanna Barbera level mistake. Right, yeah. <laughs> could very well like, be. It's like because it's, oh, it's oh, Yogi the Bear's tie is in this shot. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it's orange later on, but in that episode. But when you first see it, it was gray, and it it definitely stood out to me. All right, so we both we it sounds like we all loved that particular arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to get to um, the Toydarian arc because I think. I think this arc is pretty important for sort of what what Clone Wars is great at. Um, so supply lines and ambush; these are the episodes where. Um, uh, so supply supply lines first. So Ryloth is under attack, um, and we meet Cham Syndulla, and the uh, Jedi. I'm a gonna die. Uh, so. And then ambush, and so, sorry. So during the the supply lines episode, Jar Jar and Bail Organa go to Toydaria to ask if they can use Toydaria as a refueling station, delivering aid. And then the Trade Federation shows up, and there's a whole thing, right? And then the next episode, uh, ambush, is the episode where Yoda has to meet with the king of Toydaria, but Ventress is there, and it's an ambush and trap, and blah, 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 and he has to fight his way to meet with uh, the king. So, Jamie, do you want to start our discussion on these two episodes here? Yeah. Um, I thought um, the supply lines was good. I liked seeing the 
So I'm gonna die. Was he Nikto? Yeah, he's Nikto. It was great yeah. design. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they bring in like more like non-human uh, Jedi. The um, the kind of introduction, Chamsdula. You don't you don't really know that he's gonna be a major character. He's just just some guy, and um, and think he. I think he's the I'm gonna die is the first one to first Jedi to to die. He sacrifices himself, and then the ambush. Um, it's it's a good episode, but I think I I I think I shit on it a bit because I just found it a little annoying that like oh we're gonna have this meeting and we're gonna sign these treaty like but then like all of a sudden like Ventress just shows up and it's like like okay no we're actually gonna have this competition. Is this like it's kind of like if you're like if you're like playing a, a game like air hockey or a horse or something with a friend and then you're you're kicking their ass and all of a sudden okay this last one counts for all the points it's like no <laughs> right there's a there's a lot to love about ambush honestly um it's another clone heavy episode where there's a great talk where Yoda tells them to take their helmets off, and he says, why we all look the same? And he's like, not in the Force. He's like, in the Force, you, everybody's different, right? And he's like, you like weapons. You're always thinking about the enemy. Only by working together can we survive this. It was one of, it was one of my favorite designs of a planet. It, if you remember, it is the dried coral reef planet, right? That's the design element for the planet, and that's when we started really talking about it on the show, when there was interesting planet designs, like how like how they came up with them and those things. And then and then for like supply lines, um, uh, Brown Leader's at a disadvantage because we haven't released our Storm Over Ryloth episode or Victory, of, Victory on Ryloth episode yet because it comes out tomorrow. But we reveal in that episode um, that the original design for Cham was that he was going to be a traitor. That was the original concept for him. And so it's interesting, looking back at these episodes, think with that in mind, that Cham is actually setting them up, not not helping not helping the Jedi at all, or helping the people of Ryloth at all. He's in it for himself. But they obviously didn't go that route, um, as we discuss in the recording that will be released tomorrow at some point. Um, but yeah, I think these are these are great episodes. But what what I want to point out here is this is why animation is so critical for Star Wars. We get a fully fleshed out Toydarian society. We get Ryloth, right? These are things that we've never seen in live action. Our entire experience with Toydarians is Watto, who's like a junkyard dealer on Tatooine, right? And we we develop like a lot of opinions about that character and what he represents, you know? But he is not representative of the Toydarians. We see Toydarians having like a great society right really put together and and that's sort of the power of clone wars and they just keep doing that over and over and over again showing us like really unique worlds with unique aliens and different cultures and really you have time and infinite possibilities to flesh out these societies and cultures any closing thoughts on this um, supply lines, I kind of saw as the attack of the clones episode in terms of getting into politics and, uh, with, or I, I liked Bale's role in it. Um, 
I was I had forgotten that Jar Jar's voice was different in Clone Wars. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I was um, it's it's definitely not Ahmed Best or, or anything, and um, not even close. But um, it was an okay episode. Um, the 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 dish juggling and all that, love it or leave it. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but ambush, I can see. Ambush is a great uh, is a great first episode in release order because it's 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 um, it's a little lighter in tone. It's a like you said, it's a competition, good versus evil. Um, but they start to highlight the clones, um, and it's got Yoda, which as a first episode of any series, you got normies coming into it that maybe have only seen the movies, not read the books. Yoda's a familiar character. Yoda is somebody, and with him. Uh, saying what he says about the um, uh, clones drives home that point about how much focus is going to be on clones. And then his manhandling of, uh, of Asajj was wonderful. I mean, it's just you, you could just totally see how they're on completely different levels. And it shows just how strong Yoda is uh, in the Force and as a Jedi Master and how much Asajj has to learn yet in, in uh, on the dark side. So... I enjoyed it. It eats light and fluffy in a way, but I enjoy it. Yeah, agreed. He turns off our lightsabers. It's pretty humiliating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I man, I agree with what you said about uh, the Toydarians. It was kind of a, a good uh, kind of a mea culpa with, after the problematic uh, depiction of uh, Watto in the um, in Phantom Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only money. All right, let's let's pick it up. Um, malevolence arc, Jamie. Do you want to start us off on malevolence? Yeah, malevolence is just um, it's just like what Star Wars always does. It has like some big, bad super weapon. The enemies always in Star Wars always want to have a big super weapon that can like that supposedly that supposedly can win whatever. You invest a ton of money, whatever, and and then and long story short, it ends up not happening. But um, this was kind of like the equivalent, and it uh, the malevolence was just a ship, and didn't it shoot like it was able to, to disable ships? Yeah, Is that like what it a was? big EMP, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. huge EMP disabling for, force. We got some good, we got some good arcs in here with like Plo Koon and the clones on the escape pod, right? And and we got some Padme, Padme Anakin relationship stuff going on here where they're trapped on the tram system together and, and stuff like that inside the malevolence and yeah what do you what do you think about that um i love the malevolence arc uh i think it's a lot of fun um like you said Plo Koon, it really brings Plo Koon to the front and his interaction and his uh treatment of the clones you um the other escape pod that gets ripped open when you see the bodies getting sucked out. Um, I liked uh, Anakin's in uh, where he puts Rex and a bunch of the uh, ATs on the asteroids uh, to trick them later on. Um, and then uh, we dropped a uh, so we dropped a Wooks up back on Star Wars podcast day where we talked about uh, back during Clone Wars there was uh, Lucasfilm was doing the multimedia uh, thing trying it like they do with with High Republic now and they released a series of short Hollow Net news podcasts back during this time frame and it's funny because they're in three chunks 
and um, uh, we actually put the whole recording, all 20 minutes worth of mini episodes on that uh, as part of that recording. But it's really cool because they talk about it's it's like news people on uh, it's like a panel show on Coruscant, and they're talking about this big super weapon. And they basically and there's somebody from the techno union. There's uh, somebody from um, uh, oh I forget who else. Oh uh, who's uh, Ta Free or whatever from Ryloth, and they're debating from an from an uh, 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 academic level of can this really exist? And they actually start to describe the malevolence in those episodes, which is hilarious. Well, it would have to be this big, and it would have to be this type of weapon, and 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 um, I, I don't remember, but I think they might have even re- referenced like it would have to have some sort of tram system in it or something, and because it would have to be like seven kilometers long or something, and. Um, it was a great accent piece. I'm so glad we stumbled across it because it adds so much more to the malevolence and also the politics at the time because these three episodes are before Palpatine really has a firm grasp on things in in the Republic. And so it's much more of a liberal mindset talk show and uh, when they're discussing this super weapon and saying that it could exist and uh, and then the next five episodes are like a little later on in the Clone Wars and it's much more controlled. The show host is different. He It's all pro-Republic uh, propaganda basically with anecdotal stories of people supporting the war. Think of like those little uh, propaganda pieces from Starship Troopers, the movie. And it's that kind of propaganda. And... Um, it adds so much more to this, and I recommend anybody go back and, and listen to those. They're on YouTube, but uh, it's a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I, I think, and it was the start of really Grievous's run uh, for the episodes too. Really introducing him uh, and uh, having him seem fearsome be- before he starts his, and as we'll talk about in the next few episodes, his comical run of uh, escaping in the nick of time at the end of every episode uh, to get away, to get away safely when he botches the plan, but. That's a great recommendation on those on those uh, audio clips. We've never talked about them on here, but we should probably do them at some point because they're part of Clone Wars. And just FYI, they did those again for Rebels. Yes, and I, we have those as part of it too. And it's really cool because that era, it's all under imperial imperial rule. So it's very it's for the you've got to support your empire all type propaganda and when they're displacing the people in rebels uh that storyline and it's it's prop it's definitely told as we've got this relocation program and it's great for citizens um when you see the reality reality of it in rebels i'll i'll listen to that wooks up episode i'm behind on my podcast this this past week because of we were out skiing um took oh ski, yeah ski trip. we uh uh, we talk about it in the first half, and then I put the whole 22-minute recording or something. I found it on YouTube and put that as part of the episode so you can hear all of them. And then, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, oh, I just love the idea that there was like a McLaughlin group. Um, yes, in, that's in a Star good Wars. description. Mm-hmm. Issue one, <laughs> is there a super weapon? <laughs> what would it take? Orn Frita. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Holler can't be a super weapon. It's too, it'd be too big. <laughs> oh, and we got to see Y-Wings in these episodes. That was pretty cool, too. The introduction of the y- Republic-era Y-Wings. Excellent. All right. Keeping, keeping us on track, um, Jamie, let's move on to Downfall of a Droid and Duel of the Droids. This is the evil R2 unit and um, that scummy Trandoshan garbage collector. 
I know we both love this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you got the you got the astromech that uh, um, feeding them inf- bad information, and then like Anakin just uh, like pulls a big uh, whoopsie, like <laughs> like you um you've been uh, like. <laughs> You've been doing your online training, right? It's like, yeah, sure. You've been wiping. Yeah, I've been totally wiping my droid's memory. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, we uh, yeah, we, I, we speculated that that R two has had some NSF, uh, not safe for work, uh, text between him and Padme, saved <laughs> saved for him. <laughs> yeah. This will get you through those long nights in the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I thought these were fun overall. Um, kind of light. Um, I, I, I liked the, the search, um, the search for R two, and just the like, just showing the Anakin is he's really reckless, like. Um, and then at the end, like them, like just trusting this random droid who just seems like a complete, uh, complete idiot. But it's because something because droids in Star Wars are either like they either like are just things, or they have personalities. Just however the plot needs them. Uh, and so this time, instead of just like it's just does whatever it's. Like it just seems like it's incompetent, but it's actually a spy. It gives them motivation too, right? It's like it's like they're not just automatons. They've got personalities, and for some reason, this one's a traitor. Although they don't really establish why, but he Goldie is passing information to Grievous for some reason, and it's it's like we said, it's another betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. So it's someone else who's who's sort of stabbing them in the back. Um, not a clone this time, a droid, right? So our enemies are surrounding us, sort of moment. Um, overall, I think they're good arcs. They're they're not very serious, but they it does start to show... The only thing Clone Wars does a great job at is it just shows Anakin falling and mm-hmm. how, how he cannot help but become attached to just about everything. Like, he's definitely like a neglected orphaned child in that sense where it's like... Like this thing loves me, I'll die for it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I uh, this was so when I first watched Clone Wars, this one started the pattern of me watching how the storytellers would navigate the stories to avoid Anakin and Grievous meeting until <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. And so I would always, anytime the two of them were in the story, I'm like, okay, how are they going to do it this time? How are they going to narrowly miss each other? Um, and also, this was also for me the with Rex. Um, and there's a few more episodes in this lineup that Rex almost bites it. I don't know how many times, and including in this episode, he was just by the hair, and uh, uh, luckily survives because he should have been killed probably six times over during Clone Wars. Yeah, I um, I like they had the um, the assassin droids. The, um, the introduction, introducing them because like by we'd never actually you see IG eighty eight and then you never see IG eighty eight again. Mm-hmm. So actually getting to see like well, why would these things be scary? It's mm-hmm. like oh okay that's why they're scary. 
because they're just doing like um, like gymnastic kind of movements. All right, let's um, keep let's keep going. Anything else, Jamie? Sorry. Oh, I, f- I forgot. Okay, never mind then. Well, you can you can you can bring it up later if you want. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, all right, let's move on to Bombad Jedi, Cloak of Darkness, and Lair of Grievous, a very improbable arc um, in Star Wars that, spoiler alert, ends with Jamie and my might-be-favorite episode of Clone Wars, which is Lair of Grievous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this one off because I really love Bombad Jedi, like, unapologetically. It's another, it's another Jar Jar episode. And it is the um, damsel in distress locked in the tower. Jester puts on a suit of armor and has to save the day sort of story. Uh, Shot and told insanely intentionally to fit that archetype. And this is another thing that I love about Clone Wars, is that you can tell a Western, you can tell a comedy, you can tell a fairy tale and get away with it in this format. Um, I often joke, I joked on Twitter, I think, today, that there should be a Ken Burns-style documentary made about pod racing in-universe, um, because I think Star Wars should play with genre more. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is an example of playing with genre, and I think it's, I think it's incredibly effective, because it fits in Star Wars, it fits Jar Jar's character, the plot makes sense, for the most part, and it leads to this bigger this bigger plot of like that leads them to the next they capture um gunray and then the next episode the senate guard betrays them and ventress is able to recover gunray and then the episode after that they track gunray's ship and it turns out to be dooku setting grievous up to be killed by the jedi to solve his personnel problems um Ground leader, do you want to well, discuss and, these? Well, and you had you had betrayal in Bombad Jedi with the Rodian, her her mm-hmm. her quote unquote uncle, and it was just uncle betrayal. Ono. Yeah, betrayal <laughs> after betrayal after betrayal. When I watched Bombad Jedi this time, I was just I was trying to view Jar Jar as the playful, childlike martial arts master that unintentionally through his what looks like mistakes are actually really ingenious actions and I couldn't get there. Um, I wanted to <laughs> so much just to give Jar Jar more credit. We've um, described we've described him as a drunken master before, but yeah, yeah, I think it's a stretch, right? It 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 was going okay until he destroys the ship. You know, when <laughs> that's he, right. When that's he, in that episode. He drops the magnet on it. <laughs> yeah. It, otherwise, everything he does up to that point, because like uh, the lever with the rope around his foot, and he's pulling the lever with the rope, and when he moves his foot, and and. Uh, rescue basically kind of rescue C3PO by getting him on the magnet to get him out of the way. And, uh, and everything's kind of, it's kind of working that way, drunken master style until he destroys the ship. And then it was like, okay, no, no, we're not there. So, um, I was kind of bummed. It was just, I wanted to, I wanted to get more of that cloak of darkness. I really liked, uh, I like that episode for Ahsoka because she gets to, uh, be mentored by a different master than Anakin. So she starts to get a different viewpoint. Um, plus we see how that master is, um, uh, Luminara and, uh, the difference in the different or the difference in Jedi masters. And then Lair Grievous, I'm with you guys right there. That is absolutely one of the top notch episodes of, of Clone Wars. I really love Lair of Grievous. 
Jamie, I want you to get your hand on this ball. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what you guys have said is great. Like, seeing, like, like Ahsoka under, a, like, Luminara, she's still super cocky. Um, and you can maybe, I mean, maybe it's Anakin's influence. Maybe that's because she was always just a little snippy, I guess. Um, um, and seeing how she um, interacts with uh, Luminara and when they fight Ventress, the guy, um, the guy betraying them. And then just the layer of Grievous where just like I've, Matt and I have talked ad nauseum about like, like the fall of the Jedi. And this is just one of the best episodes to show that this is where like, it's really going downhill for them. Mm-hmm. Like a, a newly, a newly minted Jedi Knight is just like, yeah, I don't care. Power. That's power's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing about Cloak of Darkness too. It was a great episode for Asajj because it, after her humiliating defeat with Yoda, it really shows what she's capable of. Uh, her whole infiltrating the the Republic ship and everything she does successfully to get to get uh, New Gunray out of there. Oh yeah, I love the fact that she's just a wrecking ball mm-hmm. in that in that episode. Mm-hmm. It also shows like her planning capabilities, right? Like everything in that episode, she's not she's not fighting to win, like because she's already planted the explosives, mm-hmm. and there, there's there's like some I like instances of what I call force chaos in the in the show where the force users do something insanely chaotic and they're like everything's going to be fine like we're everything's going to be fine and there my one of my favorite moments of that this is an aside so apologies is in the clone war the last episodes of clone wars where they're on the ship and the ship is going down in victory and death or whatever it's called and rex says something like somehow maul got out and Ahsoka's like yeah i did that and he's like what <laughs> And Maul just like tearing the ship apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, like, yeah, I did that. It's like, what? Why did you do? <laughs> Somehow yeah. Maul got out. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think we've said it, but these three episodes are to- all totally different. Mm-hmm. But they're part of a single arc, and it's sort of this Newt Gunray capture and escape arc, and essential. Star Wars, as far as I'm concerned. For this era, definitely, because we discussed it in Lair of Grievous, which is a great, one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, just from like an analysis point of view. I don't remember what else we talked about on that. But we did point out, like, they've already lost at this point, and they don't know it. Because they're, mm-hmm. they've lost a generation of Jedi who are going to end up like Nadar, grabbing that power just because it, it's the easiest path to victory. Right. All right. Let's yeah. move on to Jamie. Anything? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say because like it's, ep- I believe it's episode one where Yoda says that like, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said like that like arrogance is something that it's something along the lines of arrogance is something they're seeing more and more of. Mm-hmm. It, it was, oh, it's two. That's in two. So it's it's before this time, right? He's yeah, because Clone Wars, is, the Attack of the Clones is before Clone Wars, right? So yeah. that's an episode two. Yoda says something like, like arrogance is a is a we're seeing more of that or something like that in these mm-hmm. in these new Jedi. All right, 
Anything else on this one? Uh, just that uh, to touch on like what you guys, when you did your uh, Jedi, it was either your Jedi Crash or your Defender of Peace episode, you talked about because of the, the bad guy in that one. This arc was, again, where it was a different bad guy other than, because you can't keep repeating Grievous, Dooku, and Asajj every time, failing every time, because it's just going to it's gonna undermine the value of those characters. And so this was another example of that, of using Newt Gunray in that role to be defeated. Speaking about a new villain, let's move on to the next two episodes, which is Dooku Captured and the Gun Gun General. And Brown Leader, since you just got back from Galaxy's Edge and might have seen an animatronic Hondo... Do you want to talk about this one? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So this is our this is our introduction to Hondo, right? Um, mm-hmm. In 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 Star Wars uh, canon, and uh, love the character. I I enjoyed these two episodes because of the banter, uh, the banter between all four main characters, um, Dooku, Obi Wan, Anakin, and Hondo. And I, I that was my favorite part of both episodes was just whether it was just Anakin and Obi-Wan or it was all three of them when they're chained together, uh, uh, Raz and uh, giving Dooku crap um, with the old man comments and everything. And then Hondo just coming in and what was his line? He was like, here, I thought we could be friends and now we can't. And just lines like that. And then there was betrayal in those episodes because his own guy, Hondo's own guys were double trying to double cross him by getting the spice first and saying it didn't arrive. Um, so again, another example of betrayal. Um, but even uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan's banter when they were in the cave, when they were tracking Dooku um, and fighting those beasts, I, I, that was, yeah, just fun, fun episodes for me because of the banter. This episode has one of my favorite lines ever, and I've used it in an intro, which is, I'd kill you both right now if I didn't have to drag your dead bodies. <laughs> Jamie? Yeah, I I thought this was great. I I hated Hondo for a long time just because he's just so frustrating. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of a little bit of a teetotaler, and I have trouble with characters like Hondo who are always just like, like, just like screwing people over every every possible second and and then i'm like like pretending like these this is real life like why are you trusting him i was like well he's written that way but he's but he's uh, one that grew on me and then like rebels and then like some of the um he's in like at least one um book in the um like the age of resistance i think uh, that he's just he's, he's just a, a fun character that it took, it, it took a while for me to warm up to um but uh, I eventually was like, yeah, yeah, he's a pretty cool character. I, 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 I like the addition of like um, a, a scoundrel who is truly a scoundrel. He's not like, he doesn't seem like he has a heart of gold. He really is a piece of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've often said that one of the strengths of Star Wars that, that I wish they would lean into more now in this era is there's always the light and dark side. Like there's always the good and evil. There's always the big battles. But then there's this undercurrent of just pure crime, right? Mm-hmm. Like the huts don't give a crap, right? They just want money. They just want control. They're not part of this light side, dark side stuff. They're stealing and selling drugs, right? I want that. I want that. And 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 Hondo sort of does Always that with the hut stuff. Well, yeah, back with back to the huts, right? Yeah. But Hondo Hondo fulfills that, right? Hondo is just like like you are just a uncomplicated villain. Like you don't have to think about. It's like, well, he wants his money, mm-hmm. right? 
and also from just a production point of view, this is this is when they're really hitting their stride. They're figuring out what they can get away with with the technology. This is their paper doll episode where they had to make huge crowds and they just made paper dolls so they could repeat repeat patterns and they didn't look like they were repeating patterns. Very smart, very clever, great production. The references to 1950s science fiction with the flying saucers and things, also great. So I just, I love the arc. And I'm glad we got such a good character in Hondo and how he changes over time too. Anything on Hondo? No, I was just thinking that like, that like he's he's kind of like the Captain Jack Sparrow kind of like where he thinks he's he thinks he's better than he actually is and then he keeps on getting screwed over or or screwing up just because he's he's not incompetent but he's just he's funny but he's not like a great pirate right and how how he gets very much kind of like the 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 uh the Jar Jar stuff before he's just one of these characters that somehow stumbles into greatness or into power. Um, so I just, yeah, I just, I, th- I think he's great. It's just, just one of those that, one of the few ca- uh, characters that was like, I start off with like, I can't stand this character. And it's like, yeah, this character's all right. Uh, afterwards. He's an yeah. unpredictable chaos factor in, mm-hmm. in the storylines. You just never know which he's in the end. He's going to go whatever direction is going to benefit him. So, whether right. that's to help the good guys or the bad guys. Yeah. And we're going to get to the gathering yeah. soon, Jamie, and we're going to have a real discussion about how bad Hondo yeah. is. That yeah, is That's that's the, the one with the younglings, right? Yeah, where yeah, Hondo's, that's, Hondo's plan yeah. is like, let's just kill the kids. That's the only episode I did... Yeah, I, I was thinking of that one. That's the only episode of him I don't... I cannot... I don't like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I, I would like to see... And Vane, I would like to see them bring back DJ, because that's mm-hmm. another character who was just a real piece of work. Um, that like, what happened to DJ after he left? Because he's a, a true like doesn't give a damn, just wants money. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you use the Jack Sparrow uh, uh, really, uh, anecdote because it would be kind of fun to see a spinoff story, uh, a a uh, Pirates of the Caribbean style spinoff story with. Honda would would be I think a lot of fun where he gets some sidekick that's got a moral compass but of course he doesn't so or his moral mm-hmm. compass is his own direction but that would be a fun story I think alright um, moving on uh, we get to the Scottish lemur arc which um, who wants to start um, yeah I'll start just like the crash on this planet and the king gets head trauma and they meet these Scottish lemurs who are well, they're, they're lemurs-esque characters that have Scottish accents and they're pacifists their their leader is like super pacifist to the point where like like he'll, he'll he'd rather ha- have everybody die than betray their uh, their uh, pacifist beliefs and like the young ones are, are less inclined to um, be lined up to slaughter it makes you think about like why why are they all doing this and like there are probably people out there that don't give a damn about the clone wars they just want to be left alone mm-hmm. and and even in other wars you know, people just they just want to be left alone but they're going to get thrown into the meat grinder one way or the other just just depends on when do you think they were trying to get kind of a 
Gandhi mindset with that chieftain, you know, with his absolute refusal to do any violence, were they kind of going for that? I, I I don't think they did, if that's what their goal was, but it, I don't know. That's the only kind of thing I could kind of think of, because, like, I know when I was listening to your guys' review about, yeah, you can be a pacifist, but at a certain point, you've got to defend yourself, and, and I think we're all kind of of that mindset, but... Um, I thought it, I think the best line from that episode was Anakin saying, "Well, you have your beliefs, but you got to have respect the fact that we have our beliefs as well." And which is to fight back. And I thought that was probably the good crux of the episode, really. That 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 line is wonderful in the episode because uh Tiwat Ka turns around and harumphs at it. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> like he was like hoisted by his own petard and he just like he's like <sighs> Fine. <laughs> and also, I got my Tiwat Ka partially painted right here. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. So I still need, I still need to finish painting him, but getting there. Little custom action figure I bought from um, Pico B1 Customs. Real cool guy. Um, yeah, so this is more Evil Nemoidian 2, and so the evil Nemoidian played by George Takei. Um, Lot Durd, I think. He's he's the villain of the week who gets to be humiliated once again, so we don't don't have to um, see Ventress lose too many times or Grievous lose too many times. No betrayal real in this episode really in this episode, just sort of a realization that that eventually you have to pick up a weapon when faced with your own existential destruction and I don't know. I I painted him. I would came I came down on Tiwaka really hard in the review of the, our review of this episode because I thought he was basically coming up as a cult leader. I I listened to a lot of interviews about this episode and I don't think they ever invoked Gandhi in it. But it is it is good. It is a good point of view to show that there are people who are legitimate pacifists. And like I said, this is during our review episodes. Like this is a, a show called Wars. And we get an episode. We get an episode arc about people who are just like, like, yeah, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna fight, we're not gonna fight in your war. I think it's incredibly well, important. Well, it makes me think of, um, what was it No Country for Old Men? Hmm. Um, and like, I don't know if you guys watched Fargo, um, but the, the uh, okay, then I, I won't mention Fargo, but just the the end of No Country for Old Men where. Um, the the um the the sugar Anton Sugar is that his name Sugar he the Javier Bardem with a really weird haircut and he makes people flip the coin and she's just like I'm not playing the game nope because he's like you've got to and she's like no no I I'm not gonna play mm-hmm. not gonna call it heads or tails just like this is I'm out of this this has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. whether whether she ends up getting killed or not, it's left open. But it's just like that example of like, well, you're either on this side or you're this side. And it's like, and there's characters just like, I'm not part of this at all. This has nothing to do with me. It's yeah. refreshing, refreshing for a kid show, right? Especially like ostensibly a kid show or something, something to go that hard in that direction. And be like, be like, there's more, there's more than this false dichotomy mm-hmm. that you have to and choose he, one side or the other. 
You did have a little bit of a betrayal with the younger generation uh, fighting when the when the chieftain didn't want to. Um, and you also had in this episode, again, Ahsoka being uh, able to spend time with another Jedi Master and learning another point of view uh, from that instead of just being under Anne. Because she was really possessive about holding on to Anakin in that episode and was mentored away from that. Yeah, good call. All right, so we sort of have a standalone episode next, um, Trespass. Um, Trespass, sorry, is the um, Pantoran episode with the um, the Talls. So this is the the frozen frozen planet episode where they go to war with the Talls because that guy is I can't remember his name right now, but he's fucking crazy. The Chancellor, right? yeah, yeah. Um, this is our introduction to Chuchi, who becomes a huge character in Bad Batch season two, um, and and well, what, what do we think about this this standalone episode of uh, Clone Wars as sort of I don't know. I, Someone else start, because I, 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 I'm just going to start coming down on Obi-Wan again. I, okay. I, I love the episode. Um, as cliche as the uh, relationship between the Chancellor and Shuchi, the I'm the senior guy, I know more than you, the dad talking down to the daughter kind of thing, uh, you don't know anything. Uh, as cliche as that is in the storytelling, um, I love the episode overall. Uh, love the the world, the the world building, the imagery with the outfits and how there's the tie-ins to Hoth uh, with the outfits. Love uh, the snowtroopers outfits in there. Another episode where Rex almost buys it again. Um, love the speeders with the bubbles. Love the um, I, I just I I like the whole episode. I think the action in it is really good. The fighting between the two sides when they do go to war, um, and then uh, I'm uh, Obi Wan's got some quips for sure in this one, and uh, but then he also is holds back at certain points, and pushes Chuchi out there to. Uh, take her first steps to becoming the leader that she really does become. And Jamie, what about this one? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I liked, I liked the throwbacks to like Hoth. Um, I, it makes me think of like like having been in the military, having been issued stuff. I was just like, how much stuff are they issued? How many different like different um, types of uniforms do they have? for like every possible like scenario um but probably like you said i like how like um instead of being the take charge type obi-wan kind of like pushes her to be like this is i mean he could force it but he pushes her to make the decisions and um and then just like the that the chancellor or whoever he is who just kind of he just kind of loses it and then they try to like he seems like he's like um i don't know insecure or something because he's just like some guy who's just like used to having people like doing whatever he wants and then he's like ordering the clones and he's got no business ordering the clones or the jedi but he's got a he's got to kind of swing his big dick around a little bit uh to let everybody know who's in charge and it, it costs him which is kind of for a kids show, that's kind of uh, in this little bleak. I, I had to laugh, and I thought of you guys right away when uh, when they said to get a casting of the print because I was just like, they carry caster prints. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> How much equipment do they really? Have? I thought it went right back to your guys's review of it. I was laughing my butt off. Yeah, yeah. 
That's that's a very specialized unit. The guy's like, oh, finally, Jesus! How long have I waited yeah. for? Think <laughs> take a plaster yeah. cast. You got a David Crusoe version of like a clone, yep. and then all of a sudden it's like, wow! Obi Wan throws on the sunglasses and yep. glasses. Snow goggles. Snow goggles. <laughs> I love the creature design in this one. Um, both, uh, what are those? I forget what they're called. Dolls. Um, yeah, and and their mounts that they were writing. I love the the whole design of the whole episode. was was very sharp, very cool. It it also once again it shows why animation is such a superior platform for this sort of storytelling because you went, you took a a cantina background alien and you went to their home world, mm-hmm. right? And you're like like oh here here they are and presumably that guy, like there's one guy that's like can I go with you guys? I want to get drunk at a bar. Yeah, and the the fact that like in the uh, the, the Tardavaski versions, there is a tall Jedi. Yes. Yeah. So they must have found one. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're almost done with the season. Anything else not left on Trespass? All right, let's move on to uh, the Blue Shadow Virus arc. It's two episodes: Blue Shadow Virus and Mystery of a Thousand Moons. Um, I'll start. So this is, uh, Germ Warfare. Uh, this is, this is a pretty fun, fun thing to put in a kid's show. Um, yeah, I, I think the story, I think the story makes sense, right? You would develop biological weapons if you were an artificial species, right? Um, I think the Vindy character was over-the-top 1950s supervillain tying women to a railroad track, twirling his mustache, sort of, sort of guy, and he looked like a concept art for Mister Freeze um, at times. But uh, I, I liked the Blue Shadow Virus episode, despite my philosophical issues with biological warfare and and things of the nature, and my personal relationship with like this sort of stuff. But I think it's a good episode. We did cover in Mystery of a Thousand Moons that it was a tack-on, that they decided that they would partially rewrite Blue Shadow and then write Mystery of a Thousand Moons because they had time, and they wanted to do more with Vindy and the virus. Um, but I think I think ultimately it worked. I think Mystery of a Thousand Moons worked as an episode, and during our review, we actually came up with a plausible reason why that security net was around the planet was to protect the cure to the virus if they went through and deployed it um, um, galaxy-wide. Uh, what did you guys think of this arc, the Blue episode, or Blue Shadow Virus arcs? Um, it was fine. Um, it, there was a lot of just like, okay, that's, it's Star Wars, you just gotta take it with a grain of salt. Um, because some of it, it's just like, like, if there's one thing about our podcast, Matt is very knowledgeable pretty much about it, every aspect of science. And so you've always learned something. And it's like, well, how can something affect, like, every species out there? And then just their, they were very, um, uh, I don't know, they're kind of, say, flippant about, like, being, like, uh, their, um, like, then their hazard suits. Um but um it, it was it, it it was it was fine overall it didn't make a whole lot of sense i i do like the idea of 
like like them doing like um, something on like unconventional warfare um and just like how like how bad it could be but it was just kind of like uh it was not my favorite but i i still enjoy it yeah i'm there with you jamie um definitely wasn't my favorite um especially after listening to your guys's review and going back and watching it uh with your thoughts rolling around in my head because uh, uh i could just hear matt saying well that's not how viruses work and <laughs> as i'm watching um but uh, i liked mystery of a thousand moons probably a little better um, your classic race against time. Uh, you got to get the cure. Um, liked the little bit. I, I even enjoyed Jabo the Hood. I thought wouldn't mind seeing a little more of, of him uh, in the future uh, and how he with his knack for droids and, and what he ends up doing. Yeah, I would I would welcome a follow up with Jabo. Maybe run in, run into him in a future. Um, let's see him in season three of Bad Batch. How about that? <laughs> I'd be down with that. J- J-Bo in season three of Bad Batch. Yeah. We called it, guys. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want ever want to, I don't ever want to get too technical with a, with a cartoon, right? Because there's a lot of gimmies and, of course, and it's a different galaxy and a different, like, everything. But, yeah, the virus didn't make any sense to me. But, um, still a fun, fun idea to use unconventional warfare. All right. If there's nothing else on that one, we can finish up the the season with the arc on Ryloth, which is Storm, Innocence, and Liberty. Um, Brownlee, do you want to lead us into yeah. this one? Sure. Um, I liked uh, I liked the episodes, uh, each one individually. Storm over Ryloth, or and I liked too how the season was kind of ending on this arc when. Uh, the beginning of the timeline was involving the trouble with Ryloth to start with and getting supplies to them with um, supply lines and ambush. And so it kind of felt a little full circle coming around to this and, and freeing Ryloth. Um, Storm over Ryloth, that's the one where uh, Ahsoka has her first command and uh, loses a bunch of troopers. Not She's operating the Anakin way, thinking she knows what she's doing, uh, but doesn't quite have the experience yet to completely have that mindset. Um, and then how he bolsters her confidence in the end to kind of come back. Um, and even like Rex questions her, her instructions, but she comes through, uh, innocence on Ryloth was a great, uh, again, kind of going back to the f- clone focus episode. Plus we get to see Obi-Wan on his own in charge of an assault and, uh, which was very cool to see. Um, and then with, uh, what were the two guys? Um, uh, oh gosh, what were their names? Um, the two clones and they're like, I guess we're the best. Uh, they get sent on the, uh, <laughs> they get sent on the mission and then with the little Twilight girl um, and then Liberty on Ryloth I was really excited about that episode because we get to see Mace Windu in the field and just how badass he is um, when they're when they're retaking uh, when they're getting up to this the capital and then the retaking of the capital um, to uh, free Ryloth yeah I, I mentioned it when we uh talked about the uh, that episode but just the the beginning of that episode is just like harrowing like i've got i get vertigo easy and so like seeing them like um like in the walkers going through the trail and they're getting fired upon it's just to me that was just it was just wild I, I thought it was a great sequence and mace windu is a character that i mean maybe i'm the only one but i have like a love-hate relationship with him like he's just like He's a you know great Jedi warrior, but he's also kind of a shithead too. 
Um, he's and he he's very caustic in his uh, style and how he re- yeah. relates to everybody. Yeah, and there's a few pivotal points like throughout the series that like Star Wars might have turned out a lot differently if he wasn't a jackass. Uh, so um, well, Brown Leader is reading but, Dark Disciple, and Dark Disciple is about a horrible plan put together mm-hmm. by Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. That pushes Quinlan to the edge. I don't know how far you are, so I'm not going to say anything. But like, oh, like, I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm well past uh, him turning and Ventress hires uh, Boba Fett's the. Boba Fett's crew to rescue him, and I'm just a little bit... Uh, actually, I'm where uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Asajj are trying to... Spoiler alert, trying to rescue him. Yeah, so mm-hmm. a lot of people are rereading this book or reading it for the first time because of the trailer reveal in Bad Batch, so spoiler alert, but Mace Windu puts in motion a terrible plan that destroys Quinlan's life. Um, and, for lack of a better term, Asajj's life. Mm-hmm. Right? So... I agree with Jamie. There's a, there's a few moments where Star Wars would be very different if Mace knew when to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stand down. Yeah. Yeah. Just I think like the episode three or the like the the, the uh, one of the last episodes of uh, season seven where um, Ahsoka has something to say. And then, because after capturing Maul, and he just kind of like dismisses her, and she's just like, "Okay, if if he had been nice, maybe they would have found out that they're really interested in Anakin for some reason, so they would have kept you know, like Anakin like uh, away from pretty much everybody." Um, and then just like some other times, like Dark Disciple, where it's just like, "Really, dude?" Or, um, but yeah, overall, yeah, I think it was a great way to end the season, this this arc. Where just like where they where they start off, they're just like they're they're in trouble. The Twi'leks are they've um, they've they've been uh, conquered, and then the slowly progression to them like taking taking everything back. Yeah, so I I agree. I mean, from a production point of view, this three episode arc has like they really went all out for it, right? This is. Anakin, Episode 1, Obi-Wan, Episode 2, Mace Windu, Episode 3. All different objectives, all different settings. It's battle in space, like like battle on the beachhead, and then taking the capital city. We get Wat Tambor, which we forgot. We've, we forgot to talk about Wat's walking. We, we mentioned it, yeah. and I said we'll get back to it. We didn't get back to it. So it turns out that the model didn't have any feet, and so they're like, they're like, what are we gonna do? And they're like, well, let's make him look like he's scooting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were, but but by then that they 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 were firing from a production point of view on all cylinders, right? They, it's such a good, such a good arc, just just through and through. It's such a good arc, and and they they built like the biggest sets they ever built. For this arc, they had like Innocence of Ryloth had the best lighting work that they had ever done, and like we like we said during it uh, during our review, Filoni for years said that that was his favorite episode he ever did, and it was one of the first episodes they pitched, right? Because they wanted to show like the impact of war on people, 
everything about it is just it's just art in my opinion so it's just beautiful beautifully shot and everything um and a great way to end quote unquote in the season they have this lead-in episode that's part of a different arc later but but yeah we're we're going to skip that for now and just say that it ends that the season season one starts and ends on ryloth basically um so overall just overall thoughts on the season i'll start from from a production point of view i did a ton of research this on this season from just the artwork and the design process and and what they went through the mistakes they made shortcuts they did and then i think if you look at it from that point of view you can see them growing and figuring it out and like i said i've speculated before that this show would not be made today um because you need someone as crazy as lucas to say like 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 you need you need 1.5 million dollars an episode okay how many episodes <laughs> are you gonna do you're gonna do 25 okay here's here's a check um, the technology doesn't exist to do this. Um, let's hire a bunch of computer guys to build a bigger supercomputer for us. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the kind of like arrogant craziness you need to pull this off. And we 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 went through it with a fine tooth comb, Jamie, and and we <laughs> talked about every single mistake, every single continuity error we could find. But I still think that they hit it out of the park from like a story and production point of view. Yeah, I agree. Once once you kind of know like the the backstory, it is it is really impressive. And even if you didn't like like compared to like how like cartoons even back then are you mentioned Hanna Barbera before, there's there's always some just sloppiness or mistakes and when just the animation or the or the stories are like I mean maybe Batman and some of like the X Men got a little heavy, but I mean there's dealing with some really heavy topics and this so it's it's not something that you just put your kid in front of um and, and just expect them just to be entertained they might come back with some like a little like oh my gosh i can't believe i i just i just witnessed this it's like when the first time i saw animal i saw the cartoon animal farm as a kid and then that was like i'm not used to cartoons where they don't end on a happy note so um the fact that that they that they uh, did that and that they were allowed to do that i think it's great Brown leader. the the uh first time i watched clone wars i was in a rush to get through because season seven was coming out so i was just blowing through these episodes and i wasn't going through them or paying as much attention to a lot of the little things um but going, having the opportunity to go back through, uh, I'm appreciating everything that was put into it. And yeah, it's going to have its flaws. It's being put together by people, and at some point, you've got deadlines, and you got to get the you've got to get the content out. We've talked to our share of authors, and one of my questions has always been, "When do you know you're done?" And uh, at some point, you just have to call it, and you have to get it out. And yeah, so uh, little imperfections here and there doesn't detract from it for me and and if anything it after listening to you guys go into more of the production side of things and the backstories on a lot of these episodes um i can see that growth now as well as they were growing and and you've got to go through this phase to get to season seven to get to the final four episodes of season seven this is all the initial laying of the groundwork to build for that 
that finale. Yeah, and and I I watch a lot of interviews with these people, with the writers and the animation staff and the directors, because they they talked extensively. There's behind the scenes stuff and too much to put in any and in, even into our show. And there are definitely episodes or sequences or scenes where they talk about it and they are all sort of like cringing like like oh well, like we really we forgot to put in the the effects of the blasters hitting the cruisers and that that scene like they really bothered me we never went back and fixed it and that made it to air and then if you watch them like by the time they get to like the Ryloth arcs they're all like proud and excited mm-hmm. they're like they're like look like like we couldn't believe we pulled this off sort of thing and in- that that change, and even even in the interviews, that you can see that change in, in them. It's like that is incredible to me. And 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 this is the first of a new thing. This is it's just like when the OT came out. It was it's breaking down barriers in animation. Like you said, Luke. It it takes somebody like Lucas, and that's been the story of his career, where he reinvests everything in new technology, and he's pushing the envelope. And was on the forefront of computer graphics to even start with back in the OT movies and hiring those computer programmers and pushing them to design and with the ultimate goal of getting to digital editing uh, to get off of film and and you're going to have that you're going to you, you've got to start somewhere and this is it was groundbreaking and we wouldn't have the rest of animation we wouldn't have bad batch uh if we hadn't if they hadn't gone through these this season of growing pains to get their feet under them and get rolling and and um you've got to have this to get what we got all right i do want to do the deleted scenes from the movie but before we move on to that i can both of you pick your favorite single episode out of the list in the document Ooh. and just just tell people what the title is and maybe one sentence why it's your favorite Lair of Grievous, just because it deals with the fall of the Jedi. My favorite topic. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. And it's it's dark in its tone. Um, I love the... Um, yeah, the relationship between the Padawan and the... Or the, the former Padawan and the Master. And yeah, like Jamie nailed it right on the head. It's, it's the whole underlying erosion of the, the Jedi Order. I think, I think that's probably my favorite but i'm gonna go i'm gonna pick clone cadets to be a little little different because we see we're, we're leading into bad batch and they go back to the training arena in bad batch and so i i like the idea that this is like a set someplace in star wars that they can go to and and clone wars is ultimately about the clones and so i want to want to highlight them in there all right um do you want to move on to the deleted scenes okay yeah so there's a so we weren't going to get away without... It's a long recording, but we'll... It'll be fine. Um, we weren't going to get through this recording without reviewing something new in Clone Wars. And by something new, I mean something very old. So there are f- there's a bunch of deleted scenes throughout Clone Wars, but Season 1 didn't really have any. Um, season 2 has a bunch of deleted scenes, and all the other seasons have a bunch of deleted scenes. Um, honestly, when... I went through the list of deleted scenes for season one. A lot of them had been added back into the episodes um, in subsequent releases, including the releases that are on Disney Plus now. But there are four deleted scenes from the greatest Star Wars movie ever made, the Clone Wars animated movie with Brodo the Hutt. Um, so I'm just going to... 
We're Someone seems to have forgotten that Caravan of Courage exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watched Caravan of Courage not too long ago. It, it holds up. <laughs> <laughs> holds up to what? <laughs> <laughs> Dead-eyed Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> Dead-eyed Ewoks. Yeah. All right. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna they're in the they're, they're in the document. I'm just gonna set it up, and then you guys watched it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the first one is through the tanks. This is where um, on in the beginning of the episode when they're on Christopsis and they're trying to get past the tank column. Anakin and Ahsoka are hiding under that that thing as the tanks go by. Um, it is a very short scene. Um, we'll start with Brown Leader. What did you think about about this episode, about this uh, scene where the where they're trying to hide I, by the tanks? I liked it. It was cool detail, um, but uh, it wasn't necessary for. I, I think. Um, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm fine with it not being included in the final cut because it's kind of one of those where it's. Uh, I like it being an extra because it's a cool extra detail to fill in more of the story. But for the main story itself, I didn't think it was really necessary because the pacing of the whole movie is, is good enough. And I think if you add too many of these things, it starts to stretch that pa- It starts to mess with that pacing. Yeah, I generally agree. It's a little bit redundant um, mm-hmm. since we see them using that crate later anyway. Um to sort of escape the same peril, it's just it's just more perilous that that it's being run over at the time. Yeah. So I think Jamie done coughing. Yeah, I I mean I remember the scene, but I don't. It just flashed by for me, but um, I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't. It's not that. It's not that important. Yeah, it's it's a short thing, but it was a deleted scene, so we can move on to the next one. Um, this is this is probably the longest deleted mm-hmm. scene in in the whole thing, and it's called the Rancor Pit. It's where Anakin and Ahsoka with Rhoda on Teth, um, mm-hmm. they go through basically a Jabba style pit, fall into this rancor pit ahsoka releases a jungle rancor which is like a rancor with like a turtle shell looks a different design and then they they're fighting ventress down in this pit skywalker and ventress are fighting ahsoka is carrying rhoda in a backpack and they're trying to get out of there um and then they escape and the rancor falls on ventress they escape and ventress stabs a rancor with her lightsaber and then gets away um, Jamie, do you want to start with this one? What did you think about this scene? I thought it was a pretty good uh, action scene. Um, a cool little cut back to the... Um, sorry. A little cool cut back to the Rancor Pit. Um, because I guess they all have Rancor Pits. Because that um, Jabba's Palace is a former uh, monastery, right? Mm-hmm. And it just happens to have... A rancor pit so just exactly the same way and it's it's wild that they did this whole thing and then it they're just like no uh no we're not going to use this part because it's pretty long um it's the very long cool. <laughs> the action was cool i you know i i like the novel kind of the novelty of um them you know like uh dueling you know while uh, on top of a rancor um so I, 
I, I guess I don't know what to think. I kind of wish they left it in, but they didn't. So it's like I don't really didn't really know what I was missing until I saw it. So um, I don't know. It's all right. Brown, Take it, leave it. Brown later. Um, I yeah, I'm I can see why they cut it. Uh, again, it would have kind of messed with the pacing. But I did think that the lightsaber choreography in it was phenomenal, and Ahsoka taking out the droids. Um, one of the things that did stand out with this one and the, the next few that we're going to talk about was there was definitely more, uh, whining out of Rhoda, which I think if they, if that was in there, it just would have added more and more hate on the character for the people that were already bashing the story concept anyway. Um, but, uh, and then the Rancor landing on Asajj and then her basically sticking a pin in its butt to get it to jump was a little slapsticky, um, which kind of is not the tone that they had going on. Uh, so I think that part in particular kind of detracted from it, but, uh, the choreography was amazing in it. I think it was even slightly different than what we saw in the movie, it, much more fluid in a way. Yeah, there's a part. There's a part in the fight where she's, uh, Asajj is between Ahsoka and Anakin, and she like, like looks up and her eyes roll up into her head, and then she does like the spin and disengages both of them at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like this is a good fight. Like this, this is as good as any lightsaber fight that gotten any episode ever. Um, I don't like. I just love this scene so much. When I saw it, I was like, was like, like, it's, I don't, I'll put it this way. It's like finding, it's like finding like a, like a new chapter to a book you didn't, you didn't know existed. And this is why we, we're, we do these things. Like we dig a little bit deeper and find, find this stuff. And this is such a cool design for Rancor. And yeah, now in Wikipedia, it says Bomar monks have a sacrament of sacrificing people to Rancors. And so that makes sense why there's Rancor pits mm. in all of their temples. Um, you're welcome, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love the whole thing. The choreography, the plot. I guess it, it might have disrupted the plot. It might have made people hate Rhoda more, but I don't think that's possible. Um <laughs> I think Rhoda might be one of the most hated characters in all of Star Wars. Um, but I want him to show back up so bad. It was almost... We got so close. Was it Aftermath? Where there's like a hut? Um, yeah. Where there's like a, a mm-hmm. an adolescent hut that they find. That that like, would be that would be kind of fun in the in the Ray movie if he was kind of the new head of the Hut Cartel. That would be a very cool Easter egg. Oh, I'm going to start tweeting at them so hard. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the third, the third um, deleted scene is called platform platform droid fight. Um, Anakin tries to call in a gunship. As it's landing, it's shot down by a vulture droid. The vulture droid lands on the platform, and Ahsoka and Anakin fight the vulture droid until Anakin cuts off its head. Um, I liked this scene because it reminded me a lot of an Attack of the Clones when Padme gets dropped off. Uh, at the hangar where the battle with Dooku is happening and as the gunship takes off you see it just explode right mm-hmm. like for no reason <laughs> at all it's like it's like they did their one mission that they're allowed to do and now they're going to die it was very similar to that but i also love vulture droids i think they're a fascinating design and character and villain like a like a terrible soldier 
and I just love them. What did you guys think about this scene? It, it, it was pretty good uh, overall. I It seemed a little redundant, and I could see why they, they cut it, but it did have some cool aspects like that like you said with all of a sudden they're just like oh my god like here's our, our rescue is here all of a sudden it just blows up um i'm trying to think of like where um things like that have happened where it's just like like um just like in or just like in any kind of like like movies or like pop culture like shows where it's all of a sudden just like yeah we're finally saved and all of a sudden it blows up like yeah i guess maybe like aliens where it's just like we're getting out of here and then then, then it's coming in and then it just crashes. Um, and I liked them like fighting the. Um, can you get there? I don't think there's ever any like hand-to-hand combat with a, a vulture droid um, anywhere else. Uh, so that's kind of neat. But yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, we've already done this sort of stuff before. So it's. I I like the I like the fight with the vulture droid. I thought it was fun um, and different. Uh, but I think uh, where and I think what made it redundant, like what Jamie said, was the dialogue. Uh, we get it. She snips. He's Anakin, and it was kind of just the same kind of dialogue they had in other scenes. And that's where I it kind of ruined the the scene for me because it was just more of the same. It was it felt like uh, when they have troubles with sequels because they're just reinventing the the first movie. Um, the dialogue of this deleted scene felt like that. This yeah, I agree with all of this. This scene was so redundant. Um, I had to watch this section of the movie to figure out where exactly it was supposed to be inserted. Um, and it was not easy for me to place, and I'm not confident I have it in the right place, but it's not needed at all. I love the idea of fighting a vulture droid, like hand-to-hand, um, but it's not necessary at all. Um, but it's still fun, right? It's a, it's a great little two-minute, three-minute, like, snippet. Um, you want to jump on to the last one? Yeah. Okay. All right, Cargo Bay. Uh, this is inside the Twilight. They're running away, um, trying to get away from Teth, right? Anakin, Ahsoka, and Rhoda are on the Twilight. Anakin orders Ahsoka to go empty the cargo bay. She goes back there, and she opens up the cargo bay door, um, telling Anakin the cargo bay door is open. He pulls up to ditch the cargo to lighten the ship, and she basically falls out of the bay with it with the cargo and she holds on to like a hose or a wire or something. Um, the cargo falls out hitting the pursuing vulture droids and then she throws her lightsaber to close the door and jumps back into the ship. She returns to the cockpit and Anakin tells her that the bay door controls were in the cockpit and she didn't have to go back there to do it. Um, what did you guys think of this episode? Brown Leader, do you want to start? Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, again, I thought the action in the cargo bay was a little slapsticky. Um, it didn't kind of fit the style of action in the movie. And then the uh, thing about the control at the end. Well, at first, and he's like, Ahsoka, where are you going? And, and he's like mad. He seemed like he was mad because uh, Rhoda was crying. And it, and I, I that confused me at first. And then when he had the thing about the control at the end, it was almost like the um, the joke at the end of a sitcom. It was the wah, wah, wah. And I just kind of, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really care for it. the Her acrobatics was cool, but it just, yeah, I, did, I didn't jive with it. Yeah, I, I, I have kind of a similar... I can definitely see why it was cut. There's so much of uh, Rhoda, like, 
screaming that it's just kind of like, okay, we get it. It's a loud baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the, the I, I did enjoy the kind of like the acrobatics with the stuff falling out. Ahsoka like, like cut one of them in half and it, it's a droid, uh, vulture droid. But yeah, now that you mentioned it, it was more sitcom-esque ending where I was like, I kind of thought it was funny, but now it's kind of like, huh, yeah, no, that's kind of a little hacky. Maybe maybe it could have done been done a little bit better. So I can I can see why they they cut it. And the stakes were already pretty high in the movie as far as them trying to get away. So this was not needed. Yeah, I agree with all of this. It it is a it is a turn the camera and laugh, right? Like Ahsoka should have just gone like, oopsie <laughs> at the end. Insert laugh track. Right yeah. or or you gotta be kidding me, you know, like yeah. whatever like her sitcom catchphrase, you got it, dude, is gonna be. Yeah. Um, but I had a thought when I was watching it tonight, right before the recording, because I hadn't watched it in a few days. Um, did Anakin know that the controls were there? Because this is the ship that they just stole. Um, because when she goes back and hits the button, that's when he notices that the that the light changes on the console and so I also I have a slightly different read when he comes back and he's like the controls are right in front of me the entire time dummy I think he's manipulating or gaslighting her yeah into like, into like reasserting his dominance and things where he's that like be. because yeah, like he, he didn't know until the light changed when she's like like okay it's open and he's like oh it's green now alright like that's the order of operations in that scene, and so it just makes Anakin like even a, a bigger asshole. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah don't, I, could, I don't, I don't think it's needed I, at all. Yeah, I've done similar things, so I could, <laughs> to see that like like where I learned something after the fact and like that I acted like I knew it the entire time. What, what dad? What dad hasn't done that? Yeah, yeah, dad, do you know that? Yeah, of course, of course, of course. I know that. My my catchphrase with my two youngest boys to this day is. Because dads know these things, and Dad, you know. dads know these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I just want to ask you guys a question. If we had to reinsert one of these into the movie, one of these four, um, which one would it be? Rancor. I guess the Rancor. Yeah, Rancor for me too. Yeah, it's by far the best, most fleshed out scene in my opinion. Um. All right. Uh, I checked the record time. We were pretty late, so I. I I don't want to talk about Bad Batch that much. This is going to come out the week after. But, I don't know, Brown Leader, do you want to give, like, a real quick, just, like, since we're, we don't have guests on the show very often, like, just real quick, what what do you, what do you hope happens in Season 3 of Bad Batch? Um, just so... Because we're right there. Yeah. We know it's the last season. We're going to get 15-ish episodes, I think. Um, we're getting three in like 48 hours. So what do you think... What What do you not think, but what do you hope is going to happen in this season? What What question do you want answered? Um, I would like to... Well, I'd like to know the answer to Omega in terms of what is she. There's been little hints dropped um, right from the get-go. Um, what is her, what is her purpose and what is her, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume she lives, um, whether the bad batch, uh, survives or not, I don't know. I'd like to see them, 
uh, go into retirement on Pabu uh, and just age away, but um, I don't think that's going to happen. In the uh, so a lot of uh, some online people have been able to see the first eight episodes. And they also started receiving gift packs from Lucasfilm uh, this week. And they've been showing pictures. And in there is a big package of tissues uh, to expect to cry, basically, uh, in this season. Um, uh, I'm looking... Not necessarily. Well, who knows, but (laughs) it's... So are you no saying sound, we're going to see no are you saying effect, we're, we're we're going to see 21 year old omega is that what you're you're, you're hinting at or a wrecker without a shirt <laughs> yeah, on there, no, there you go you, whatever whatever floats your boat um I'm looking forward to good storytelling because that's what we've been getting out of bad batch uh that's what I'm really looking forward to whether it ends on a happy note or not so happy note I'm just looking forward to good storytelling and bad batch has been that for for us and I don't want to see Tech come back. I don't want to see him alive. I'd rather him stay dead. But yeah, me too. Like I'm, I think I think you need to leave characters dead sometimes. Um, yeah, and I don't know what's going to happen. I I I'm very good at having no expectations going into new Star Wars. Um, I really I want to know. I want this to. Honestly, my goal, my my fantasy with this would be. Um, Make it explicit. Connect connect Tantus to Rise of Skywalker. Um, that's that's what I hope they do. Jamie. Yeah, um, like I've always said that uh, comics, games, TV shows, um, and books are really good at picking up the slack for when the movies kind of drop the ball. And and unfortunately, as much as I love them, they drop the ball a lot of times, or they can't flesh things out because of the the time constraints that yeah that i wanted like like, what happens to all the clones do they just kind of all just just scatter into the wind i'm not talking about the bad bad but just like all the clones because at this point they're either killed or they're all being experimented on like before the bad batch started i had a theory that that uh i actually thought omega was a boy and i thought that she was ray's dad um but then I also th- she could be Ray's mom. Um, they the the Shadow of the Sith kind of kind of cements a little bit of like who Ray's mom is, but it's they could fudge it. I mean, they, they do they've done weirder things. Um, just like what's like I, I I definitely want that concrete. Like this is they are definitely doing this to get to Rise of Skywalker where they're. They're trying to clone Palpatine, um, and they're just, and they're just like chewing through the clones, and then just hope. I would, I would like to, s- maybe some like slightly open-ended stuff, to where like, because then maybe we could get some shows set in the after, you know, in the after Jedi, in that thirty-year time period where um, the Empire is in retreat in the unknown regions to like oh maybe we get can find out like 100 percent was that rex on endor um that would be cool as a as a like if at the end of rebels when they uh like um sabine just kind of talked about like what what everybody did afterwards and just talked about how like hera was um what hera had done and then like then showed jason and showed her just kind of hanging out waiting um 
waiting for um, waiting for the Empire to attack Lothal. Something similar where they just like Rex, like Rex, uh, Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. They buy a, they go buy a used uh, a- ATT walker and just just go fishing. And maybe the Bad Batch, they go to Pabu or just wherever, wherever. Um, if they're all alive by then, um, would be would be cool. But I know they probably won't. Is that there is actually a, a, a special forces empire. Uh, group in the empire called task force i think it's called task force 99 which is like they have versions of like the bad batch except they're all just like stormtroopers and they're all bad and they're all just like under vader's uh, control so seeing something like maybe like the beginning of something like that because it'd be nice to tie in the comics other than just like a little snippet here or there or they just take something and then change it just enough to where you're like well I guess it fits. Just have to. I'll just. I'll just let it go and just. Um, it happened, but yeah, I'm. I'm hoping for a happy ending, but I'm not. In the end, I like you said. Who knows? I probably not counting on it. Yeah, I. I do hope, uh, and I think you're right. I think both Bad Batch and the Mandoverse. That's all. It's. It's. It's Lucasfilm preparing or filling in what we need for uh the sequels i I think you're you're spot on there and uh we've been talking about that as well and um i would like to see a little bit i i I like when star wars has a little bit of ambiguity in the ending and so it would be frustrating to a lot of people but i think that yeah kind of like on some of the things you were talking about jamie where we we may not necessarily know all the answers and i think that would be a fun way to end the show all right, so so we have a pretty long recording. It's getting late on the East Coast, East Coast timers at least. Um, I gotta get up in the morning. Uh, so our next our next episode is we're gonna start reviewing Bad Batch because that comes out in a couple days. Um, we still haven't decided because we don't know what those first three episode drops are, but we we'll probably do one or two of them. Um, we'll definitely do one. We might do two, depending if it makes sense. Um, for our next episode, but uh, uh, Brown Leader, do you want to remind everybody where they can find you? Yeah, anyone who's still listening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, Hyperspace Heroes. You can find us on all the major social medias. Uh, where our audio podcasts are on all the main podcatchers, Spotify, iTunes, um, and we're doing live streams now. We will be doing a live stream. This will come out after we do it, but we're doing a live stream the day after. Uh, Bad Batch Drops, we're having a Force Dyad podcast on uh, as our guests, and it'll be one day after the airs, so that's what we're going to be talking about that day. And um, is this going to air before the 29th? Let me, let me con- I think so. Let me confirm. Yeah, this is coming out on the 27th. Okay, uh, I would just like to encourage everybody to check out our live stream on the 29th. We have a really special guest uh, that I'm not going to announce right now, but I'll definitely be doing a big media or social media push as we get closer. So, All right, Jamie, you want to play us out? Go. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, 
speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,